Welcome to Stories of Runeterra. My name is Ravenhood. Welcome back. I'm just your humble storyteller again here this week to draw you into the vast world of Runeterra by Riot Games. The League of Legends community has crafted an incredible universe filled with dashingly handsome charmers and some pretty beautiful rebels. Each week, we jump into the Riot Games universe and narrate something from the world of Runeterra. This week's story, and perhaps it includes one of my favorite champs ever, because I used to play duo with my wife in bot lane, and yep, that was a thing. <laughs> it's Zaya the Rebel and Rakan the Charmer. And now for Rakan, the Charmer. I got freedom, I got a lady, and I got a cause I would die for. As mercurial as he is charming, Rakan is an infamous Vestayan troublemaker and the greatest battle dancer in Lotlan tribal history. To the humans of the Ionian highlands, his name has long been synonymous with the wild festivals, uncontrollable parties, and anarchic music. But this energetic traveling showman has left his old life behind, dedicating himself to the cause of his lover, the rebel Zaya. Together, they seek to free Ionia's wild magic, restoring the Vastaya's birthright. The Lotlan Vastaya once lived on the ancient mystical borders of Ionia's deep forest, on the eastern island of... For this, he was labeled Muktakl. It was a place where magic was breathed like air and time had little meaning. To these chimeric creatures, the lands of mortals were an unforgiving desert, virtually devoid of magic. And over the centuries, that desert only grew, encroaching on the Vestaya's territories. Rakan was born into a tribe in decline, distrusted as a human sympathizer and collaborator. Rakan left the Lotlan tribe, determined to spread the song of his people across Ionia. He was an entertaining rogue, a welcome performer at any tavern or village carnival, Intrigued, the battle dancer approached Zaya and asked after the welfare of their tribe. And when she told him that the Lotlan had lost the land, and when she told him that the Lotlan had lost the last of their lands, Rakan howled with rage. This finally seemed to impress Zaya, and she assured him that there was still hope. She was a part of something greater, a rebellion of sorts, to take back what the Vestaya had lost. Not just for Lotlan, but for all tribes. Rakan was thunderstruck. Here was a chance for him to redeem his people, a cause he was willing to die for. He implored Zai to let him accompany her, and she agreed, as long as he carried his weight. And, as Zaya would soon learn, Rakan's dances were as impressive in battle as they were on stage. He called himself the greatest battle dancer in Lotlan history, a boast that none could refute. His grand entrances and dazzling acrobatics distracted and befuddled enemies, before Zaya felled them with her razor-sharp quills, that is. In any dangerous situation, they fought together with uncanny harmony. During their travels, Rakan became fascinated by how Zaya interacted with the world. She seemed always prepared, aloof, and focused, whereas he was <laughs> absent-minded, affable, and 
lacking seriousness. Though Rakan would often forget her carefully laid plans, he made up for it with his ability to read the emotions of others, using charisma insight to persuade them. The two Vistaya were so different, and yet they achieved great feats, each one's strengths complete each one's strengths complementing the other's weaknesses. Soon enough, Rakan couldn't imagine life without Zaya, and it was clear that she felt the same for him. The pair pledged themselves to each other in the midst of a raucous tavern brawl. Yet, they did not see eye to eye on all things. Where she viewed the world as black and white, with mortals always the enemy, he had more compassion, and believed some of them were redeemable, Despite this difference, Rakan was certain that his and Zaya's love for each other would bear them through the storms that lay ahead. Through Zaya, Rakan has found purpose, and inspired by his partner's singular drive, Rakan has made her crusade his own, and together they will fight to reclaim the first lands for the Vastaya. But over the years, he realized that was all he was to mortals. No matter how many dances and songs he performed, no matter how much he enthralled the crowds, he merely provided diversion to drunken revelers. Rakan grew restless, finding himself without purpose, until he had a chance to encounter with Zaya, a fellow Lotlan, at the Harvest Festival in Vlonko. Seeing her in the crowd, Rakan sang one of his old songs, entrancing the entire town with his gleaming plumage. Though countless human and Vestayan women had fallen for him in the past, this violet raven seemed immune to his charms, though not uninterested. How could she see him and yet choose not to follow him? Hmm. It was a puzzle with no easy answer. Yet, he never gave up hope. Like his brethren, Rakan watched as human settlements continued to expand, damming the flow of Ionia's wild, chaotic magic for their own safety. Many tribes sent emissaries to negotiate with them, securing treaties to protect the mystical energy the Vestaya needed to thrive. Yet, over and over again, these promises were brokened. broken. Disillusioned, most Vestaya became increasingly isolationist as they clung to their remaining lands. But young Rakan advocated a different path. The Battle Dancer believed that mortals could be convinced to let wild magic run free if they could only appreciate its beauty. He boasted that he was the one to make them see it. Zaya, the Rebel. Ever been stabbed by a feather? <laughs> Deadly and precise, Zaya was a Vestayan revolutionary waging a, a personal war to save her people. She uses her speed, guile, and razor-sharp feather blades to cut down anyone who stands in her way. Zaya fights alongside her partner and lover, Rakan, to protect their dwindling tribe and restore their race to her vision of its former glory. As a child of the Lotlan tribe, Zaya loved listening to her father sing folk hymns about ancient Vestayan heroes. The haunting melodies transported her to a long-forgotten time when magic danced freely through the island of Kailin, imbuing the Lotlan with immense power. Yet, 
With each new generation, humans encroached farther into all the Vastaya's ancestral tribe lands, disrupting their raw essence. The tribes began to fade, losing vitality as they were gradually cut off from the spirit of the first lands and were forced to negotiate with their mortal rivals. Zaya watched in frustration as, time and again, her tribe's Juloa ambassadors made treaties with mortals that were swiftly broken. Most disturbingly, humans had discovered the secrets of towering constructs known as Queenlons and were using them to inhibit Ionia's natural magic in order to protect their expanding settlements. Even though Zaya and others like her urged their people to fight back, the Lotlan instead withdrew into themselves, shunning the mortal world as they clung to what little they had left. Yet, this would not protect them and they were eventually driven from their homes. The Lotlan became ruthless nomads. Zaya became a freedom fighter. And she was not alone. Vestayan rebellions were growing across Ionia, seeking retribution against mortals. The time for negotiation was over. Zaya was determined to use her lethal quills in battle to release the land's wild magic. Fleeing in and out of the most fortified strongholds and leaving a trail of bodies in her wake, on stage before them stood a preening, flamboyant performer who sang old Vestayan songs for his captivated audience. She earned the sobriquet, The Violet Raven. Her dedication to the cause was unmatched as she focused only on the next mission and the next step towards freedom for her kind. Though she cherished her rebel allies, she usually acted alone, believing she could do the job better than any other. But then she met another Vestaya who would change her life forever. After she entered the remote mountain town of Lonko in search of a stolen artifact, she was struck by the sight of a braying crowd of humans. As he finished his show with a dazzling array of cheap tricks, the crowd erupted and chanted his name, Rakan! 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 He took a theatrical bow, and Zaya dismissed him as a buffoon. A fellow Lotlan, he might be, but this Rakan seemed like nothing more than a foolish mutakl. Zaya willed herself to ignore him, and completed her mission, which she couldn't deny had become far easier thanks to Rakan distracting the locals. Before Zaya could flee into the wilderness, Rakan accosted her. After making a series of failed attempts to charm her with flattery, the brash Vastaya asked for news of the Lotlan tribes. When she told him they had lost their lands, his plumage darkened, and she was surprised at the depth of his rage. Perhaps there was more to Rakan than she'd thought. When she told him of her true cause, he begged to join her. Seeing potential in his ability to create diversions, if nothing else, Zaya agreed. When they began their travels, she saw Rakan as a useful, but annoying, asset. The show-boating battle dancer would leap and pirouette through enemies with ease, distracting them before Zaya struck them down. Indeed, this fighting style almost compensated for his irritating inability to remember Zaya's meticulous plans. Rakan helped Zaya in other ways as well. While she was blunt and abrasive, he was insightful and charismatic, able to use charm and persuasion where she would have resorted to violence. She was impressed with his uncanny ability to assess people's emotions and trustworthiness. She sometimes questioned Rakan's compassion for mortals, but 
never doubted his devotion to the rebel cause. Eventually, Zyre realized her feelings for Rakan were changing. There was a lightness to him in his free-spirited ways that she found aggravatingly alluring. Over time, she grew to welcome his company, and, though she was initially loath to admit it, the world didn't feel so broken and lonely. They became inseparable. In all the years since, the two of them have become formidable champions of the Vestaya, and the word of their deeds is spreading. In the wake of the Noxian invasion, Ionians are undeniably more aggressive and dangerous, especially the peoples of Navori and the hated Order of Shadow. Even so, this has enabled Zion Rakan to rally countless more Vestaya to their side, and their dream of rebellion is coming to fruition. Together, they will fight to reclaim the first lands so that the tribes may thrive once again. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and now we get to the story. Now, I've only chosen one story to read today, but there are two. You can read either Zaya, so you can go to the League of Legends website, click on the universe, go to Champions, find Zaya, and read it there. Uh, I mean, one day I'll probably read it on this podcast, so you can just wait till then as well. Um, I chose to read uh, Rakan's today, and it is entitled Nothing Rhymes with Tube Bow and it is by Odin Austin Schaefer. Two paths lead to the monastery fortress from the villages below it. Zaya begins. I follow her and see a pair of golden stairways that stretch down from the mountain temple to the farmhouses below. Yeah, each woodwoven home probably has a whole family inside of it. There, mortals are born, die, and most importantly, create new songs. Probably with harps and drums. Maybe flutes? Hmm. I should make a reed flute later. First, aha, I need to fluff my coat. Did I remember to clean my feathers? The town below must have an inn. Bottle of wine would be great right now. Rakan, Zaya says. Crap! She was telling me the plan. <sighs> I focus back on her face, on her crooked smile. The sunset's last rays reflect in her eyes. I love her eyelashes. I want to... Repeat it back to me. Mm, something in the monastery. She was... Uh, I rendezvous with you at... I say. But I've already lost the thread. Pull one of my feathers on my head, hoping to pluck an idea from it. A tiny shimmer of light glistens from her... <sighs> scrumptious bottom lip and her... Are her lips purple today? They were violet yesterday. They will kill me if they catch me, she says. The shock of the thought takes my breath. I feel my face twist into a snarl. Who? I demand. The guards, she replies. It's always guards. Then then I'll distract them. When? She points to the sky. Look for a green flash before the sun sets, 
Then draw the guards away from the western walls while I run along the ramparts to the cells. Ah, I put on a show the moment the sun sets, I say. Where do we meet? At the gate. I'll throw a golden blade into the sky, but if you have to be there in ten breaths. But you have to be there in ten breaths, Zaya says, plucking a feather from my cloak. Ha! <laughs> I'll be at the gate the moment you throw the blade, I say. Nothing in my life is more certain than that. I know. She nods and begins telling me the safest path to take. She plans things, which is why I know she'll be okay. Wow. Sky is gorgeous right now. That cloud is shaped like an eggplant. I saw a dog once. Ugh. I do not like these steps. I do not like them at all. The gold leaf covering the stone is almost the same color as my feathers. It's infuriating. I consider changing their hue, but it would take some magic. Damn, I can't be tired when she needs me. Zio probably send me this way knowing my plumage would blend in here. A red cape would look better against these steps. Maybe indigo? Ooh, what's around this corner? More steps. Ugh. Only humans would cut stone into flat shapes to make a mountain boring. I should climb the cliff. Zaya said to take the steps. I'm pretty sure? Ah. I pick up some pebbles and begin to juggle them. I hear the music writhing north of me. I hear the music writhing north of me within the twisting roots of the Lorati forest. The forest song finds its way into my head, and I begin to sing it. Hi! What was that? A voice echoes from above. Ah, an entryway. A human guard appears, his clothing dark as a shadow. Who are you? He demands. I am Rakan, I reply. How could anyone not know that? Who? Nah. I don't like him. I hate him more than steps. I am Rakan, the battle dancer of the Lotlan tribe. I am the song of the morning. I am the dance of the midnight moon. I am the charm that... It's that Vestayan entertainer, another guard interrupts. He, too, wears boring clothing. Clothes I haven't seen in this area before. The first guard wears a shiny golden amulet on his chest. I snatch it from him. Hey! What's this? I ask. He doesn't deserve this. Whatever this is, he grasps for it. But I flip it around my hand while still juggling the pebbles in the other. Give me that! I flick each stone into his face. No, I say. Then as innocently as I can, I ask, is it important? He draws a pair of hook swords. I take one away from him before he can even raise them. Open the gate, and I'll give you this back, this, uh, shiny thing. I offer as I twirl his amulet in my palm and then send it spinning up my arm. Instead, the rude fool swings at me. Ugh. I flip over his attack and land behind him. He turns to slash again. I dive under the blade, using my rear to knock him off balance. <laughs> and he falls down the steps with a scream. The other guard watches his friend tumbling away and then looks back to me. And I shake my head at him. <laughs> Honestly, how could anyone not know who I am? 
This one stabs me with his spear. I twist past him, allowing my feathered cloak to envelop him for a moment. Blinded, he stumbles and trips over himself, and he falls onto his shield and shoots down the stairway with a clack-clack-clack-clack-clack-clack sound. Well, until he crashes into his friend at the first landing. <sighs> the impact sends them both sprawling. <laughs> now I get the steps. You're terrible dancers, I say as I check my cloak for dirt. The two people stumble to their feet, glaring up at me. You okay? I ask, thankful for the amusement. They roar as they rush up the steps. Ah, ungrateful bastards. I leapt away from them and ask, <laughs> Want to know the difference between a party and a fight? They slash at me with their weapons and again and again. One is an entertaining day. I say as I send them back down the stairs. The other is shorter. A deafening gong sounds behind me. I smile. The fun part begins. You gotta do better than that, I yell, taunting my pursuers as I run. I do need to get out of here, though. <sighs> there are 20 guards now. Uh, okay, maybe 30? More than, ooh, lots. Running through their sleeping chambers was a bad idea. However, it did give me a chance to freshen up. <laughs> Some of the men have those strange crossbows. They use, they use fire from a tube. They had a name. Nah, I'm going to call them tube bows. Their shots explode around me, eating holes into the wall as I dive out of the room. I slide into the courtyard, performing a full twist to give it some flair. The gate's open. I could run for it, but Zion needs me. Hidden in an alcove, a guard swings at me with a large tube bow. Or is a bow tube better? Huh. He pulls the trigger. I leap toward him, diving over his shot. What's a good rhyme for tube bow? I ask out loud. I kick the guard up in the air, and as he falls, I spin and introduce my hand to his cheek. The sound is louder than his weapon. Oh, slap! I say, mimicking its intensity. The human rolls to his feet, pulling a short sword. <sighs> How are you not getting the message? I wonder if I can find the kitchen. That's where the chocolate would be. <laughs> the light of the sky is changing. I leap back into the air to check the sun's location again. It disappears behind the hills, and an orb of green light flashes above it. Party time! I scream. Now the entire castle is chasing me. Surrender yourself! A guard in a metal hat yells. No, I'm distracting you! I reply. He looks at me confused. Mm, I'm going to slap him next. A hail of arrows launches from the opposite wall. Damn it. I don't have time to try again. Third breath. I have to make it back to where she needs me. Back to Zaya. I leap up the rampart and then bound off of its roof towards the gate. I take the fourth breath in midair. I swerve through them, enjoying the whistle they make as their fletching passes me. Would I look good in a metal hat? The golden blade hangs in the air for a second before falling. Zaya's ready to go. I take my first breath. <sighs> she said I had ten. <sighs> but four breaths is much too long. I need to know if she's safe. 
Want to see some sweet moves? <laughs> I ask the nearest human. He doesn't seem enthused. I roll through the group and appear behind him. He turns just in time to meet my cloak halfway. My feathers spin him up into the air like a top. Twelve spins is my record, but that was on a hill. <sighs> Second breath. The human slams into the ground after nine rotations. Zaya runs towards the gate with some fancy joulois. They're hairy where we have colored feathers. They must have been from the Sojoku tribe. Too formal looking, but I do like the thick ridge of hair that flows along the back of their forearms. I should make my feathers do that. The eldest one, Saurong, seems like a terrible idea. We'll never make it. They have rifles, he says. You mean two bows? I ask. Akunir stares at me blankly. They're out. Those are out of ammo, I explain. The Zini longbows, too. What? How? I am Rakan, <laughs> I explain. I expect this from humans, but my own kind? All of you, run for the tree line, Zaya says. A dozen men, covered in flour and chocolate, run out from the guardhouse, mixed with eggs. They would make a thing called, uh, cake. Pies are better, though. Pfft. Run, Zaya yells. When the old Juloa fails to move, I pull him along. Cole kneels beside her guard's body. She and Zaya pray that his spirit finds our lands. One of his horns is broken. Blood pools in the leaves around him. Cole removes the last arrow from his corpse. He carried her all the way here, even after the humans wounded him. This Juloa should not have died. Someone loved him. They will sing his songs, but only silence will answer. My eyes well with tears, and softly I sing for his loss and his family's. Zaya stands with her fist clenched. She won't grieve now. Instead, the pain will find her tonight when she thinks I'm asleep. That's her way, and I will kiss away her sorrow then. The consul is named Akunir. He might have been a battle dancer when he was young and he and Zaya begin arguing about politics. Cole kisses the forehead of her guard. Her jaw is tight. She holds an anger stronger than Zaya's. She glares at her husband, Nakunir. She's been waiting for him to listen for far too long. I will go back north, Akunir, Cole says as she rises. I will go back north, Akunir, Cole says as she rises. I will tell them what was done to us. Her arms are as tight as branches, rigid against her sides. Cole, no! Alcunir protests. I will bear word of Jurel's fate to his kin and mourn with them, she says. That must have been the guard's name. Perhaps he was kind. I like the smile lines on the side of his face. Then I will muster arms and prepare the tribe to fight. You cannot do that, the consul yells. I... Forsake my claim to you, and I forsake your claim to me. She speaks coldly. Akonir looks as if he's been stabbed. Did he not see this running down the hillside, or in the forest, or beside the dead guard? It was decided moons ago. Cole, 
Please. No, she states simply. He moves to grab her, and I block him. I will speak with my mate, he says. I can feel his breath on my chin. He ate glue fruit recently. My nose nearly touches his forehead, and he glares up at me. I simply shake my head and shrug. I don't need words. For this, silence is better. His remaining two guards tense. They don't want to dance with me. I am Rakan. They know my name. They glance nervously to Zaya holding her blades. And they know her name, too. Thank you, Zaya, Cole says before limping away. Akunir and his guards watch her go. Wordlessly, they set off to the south, leaving us alone. I move close to Zaya. I feel her sadness for Jurelev, Cole, and for Akunir. I'll drink wine tonight, and then I'll sing rude songs. Promise, promise me nothing will come between us like that, Mieli, she says. We're not like that, Miela. We'll never be like them, I reply. I can feel her worry. She's smarter than me about so many things, but foolish about love sometimes. Where to now, Zaya? Let's just stay here a moment longer. I wrap my cloak and arms around her. Mm -hmm. I'll tickle her later. We will laugh and drink. She will plan and I will sing. I feel her cheek on my chest. And I'm glad that Zion needs me now. Repeat it back to me, she says. Repeat it back to me? She says. We are not like them, I say again. We are not like them. So, I really like Rakan. Personally, I mained Rakan and, but my big guy's Brom. Brom is my main uh, when I did support. However, I do enjoy Rakan and the story between him and Zaya. My wife and I don't share all the character traits of either character for sure, but there are some pretty funny um, similarities between my wife and Zaya and myself and Rakan. I will not disclose what those are, uh, but I am the uh, uh, all the better for it. I think right now for me, I've just been processing a lot of stuff in the reality of the world, and this story for me was encouraging because that mantra that Rakan tells to Zaya for sure is a lot captures a lot of what I'm trying to do with some of my own life right now and it's that we are not like them we are not like them I'm not going to say who we are I'm not going to say who they are but that has meant a lot to me and it's um, I think it's really important for all of us is to find pieces in these stories and I think that's one of the coolest things about narratives in general and stories in general and imaginations in general is that it's not that you you 
the whole story is you or the whole story captures some experience you had. But overwhelmingly, when we listen to stories, it's not that the whole thing is something we've been through, though that certainly can be the case. There are always pieces of a character where we can either see it as a critique for our own life or as an encouragement for our own life or a moment in a story as something that can bring life to our day-to-day happenings um, or inspire us to do something great. So this is your local battle dancer, wink, wink, cough, cough, signing out for the night. Thanks again for everything, uh, for everybody listening. Again, you uh, can hit me up on Instagram at Ravenhood. share this in your story and tag me in it. Let me know what you think. I'm super curious and I'd love to meet everybody who's listening to these. Um, I'm following Worlds right now and I'm super hoping that I'll watch the live one uh, come October 31st. Anyway, thanks again. Appreciate you all. Love you all. And uh, keep telling stories.